Hey there, and thanks for listening to our podcast. Our mission at Hope is to invite everyone to find Jesus and help them move toward the center of God's purpose for their life. Here's this weekend's message. Welcome to all of our campuses, all of you watching online. Hey, so glad you're with us. Uh, we're going to end today our series on, uh, in our summer series called uh, Psalms of the Summer. And over the last few weeks, uh, eight weeks actually, this is week eight, how many have enjoyed diving into Psalms just a little bit? I mean, it's been powerful. Over the last few weeks, here's where we've been. Week one, we talked about uh, the blessed life, Psalm one, and uh, you know, who do we surround ourselves with and, and how, do, how do we walk in blessing? Uh, week two, we talked about Psalm 23, our spiritual journey. Week three, Psalm 103, fatherhood and freedom. Week four, we talked about restoration, Psalm 51, creating me a clean heart. Week five, Psalm 63, and, and we just talked about this, this realm of being satisfied, and this was the triangle where some of us getting to the top of that triangle in the perfect center of, of God's will for our lives is, is easier than it looks. And it, and it takes initiative and effort on our part. We're not making effort to get saved or be right with God. That's Jesus already did that. We are getting, getting, putting forth the effort to walk in his will and to walk in a satisfied state with him. So week five, or week six, sorry, uh, Psalm 69, uh, Pastor Zach did a great job, unfiltered emotion. Last week, we talked about Psalm 139, the sovereign God. And week today, week eight, Psalm 95, come, let us worship. So many of you know my background. You know, um, I've told you know, so many stories about growing up and my church and, and so forth, but um, I don't know if I've, I've shared the full length of this, but, but raised in um, a, a great church, man. I had great church experience. I know some of you did not have such a great church experience, but I did. I loved my church and um, learned so much, but like many of you, I was raised in a charismatic Pentecostal church, but not crazy, you know what I'm saying? Not like, it wasn't over the top, uh, for the most part, occasionally there were some weird things, but very legalistic, okay, very legalistic. Um, if it was fun, it was sin, bottom line, right? Chewing gum, I, I, they would find sin in chewing gum. But the reality is, you know, in our, in our music, I noticed that there were times after the message in which we would sing some songs and maybe we would spend some time at, the, at what we called altars, and that was a prayer time. And uh, the songs that we sang at the end, I liked way, now don't, don't send me an email on hymns. I like hymns. God loves hymns. We all love hymns, okay? But the hymns that we sang at the beginning of the service and then the choruses that we sang at the end, I found, I found myself, man, I love the choruses. You know, whatever they were, and those were back in the 70s, so whatever they were, and, and so I liked that. But, but then the summer uh, before my seventh grade year, I went to youth camp for the first time, um, and it was in Kerrville and about, you know, four, five, six hours from where I'm from, so it was a big deal. I mean, getting, getting away a week by yourself in seventh grade, you know, with other kids, and I'll never forget the, worst, the first night of worship. And a guy up there, I believe his name was Chris Ramsey. He was from Louisiana. He was at McNeese State University. He's a football player. 
but he was, he was up there with the guitar, and he was, he was singing some choruses, teaching us choruses, and we were worshiping, and, and I was like, holy cow. I had no idea that it could be this way. Now, for some of you who, who were raised in tradition, and you prefer, you know, maybe a, a, an organ or a, a piano, and I don't make fun of that. I mean, it's all, it doesn't matter, to, to be honest. It really doesn't matter what style you like. But for me, I, I went from this, you know, turn to page 139, and we're going to sing Victory in Jesus or, or All Help the Power of Jesus' Name, which I love that song, to these cool choruses where there was drums and a bass and guitar. And I was like, wow, this is, and it connected with my heart. And I'm telling you, I've never been the same since. I have a music background. I played the guitar. And so, so from that time, I would begin to learn choruses and, and I would lead worship at our youth group and, and then, then we started a band. Anyway, so I led worship for many, many years. In fact, the first couple of years of our church, three or four years of our church, I led worship. So I'd get up here and I would lead you in, in songs and then I would put the guitar down. I would go sit down and somebody else would come take the offering and bring the announcements. Then I'd come back up and preach. And you didn't pay me double. You know what I'm saying? It was like, I, so I quit doing that. You know, it wasn't worth it. No, I'm kidding. So uh, somebody way better than me would, would come and lead worship. Anyway, my point is, I'll never forget that night when I experienced the presence of God in a way in which I was not used to, and in a way in which I connected with in a greater way. And so night after night, it just got better and better, and this, we sang these songs, and, and I would just... And I, you know, as a young kid, I, I would just lift my hands in worship. And, and many of you wonder what lifting the hands is. It, it's, it's, it's nobody scored a touchdown. We're not, you know, trying to stop anything. It, it's just a response to the presence of God. When we sing our songs, he inhabits the praises of his people. So the picture is that, that the presence of God is among us as we sing our songs. As we're singing these songs that we sang tonight, what a great, I mean, great list of songs. Holy are you, Lord, and make room. And, and, and I mean, I'm like, man, I connect with these songs. This is how I connect to the Lord in song. And I know some of you, maybe it's a little bit different. Um, but for me, it's, it, it is like, wow. I am not just connecting to a song or a style. I'm not connecting to the chord progressions necessarily or even the vocals or the band. But I found myself at first doing that, but I found myself later connecting with God, listening to the songs that, that we're singing, the words that we're singing, and applying those things to my worship, to my song, my heart, and it changed my life. And I've never been the same. And I want that for you so bad. Some of you know what that is. Some of you don't. Some of you may come from experiences in which you come to our church and, you know, you rarely sing. Maybe you sing. And again, it's not about the talent. It's not about your ability to keep tune. Many of you cannot. And that's okay. Okay. I mean, I'm just going by averages in America. Many of you can't really sing. But in tune, I mean, everybody can sing, but maybe in tune. But everyone, listen, every one of us 
has a song. Every one of us can connect to God through song, and you can't talk about the book of Psalms without talking about worship. You cannot go through the book of Psalms and not understand the power. Listen, not just, when I say worship, that's a broad subject. Song, singing, it's powerful. And so today, I'm gonna give you the outline. I did this last week, but I'm gonna give you the outline for today before I get into it. And then we're gonna go to the outline and then I'm gonna give the scriptures in this particular Psalm, Psalm 95, Here's where we're going today. Here's the outline. Week one, or I mean week one <laughs> today, number one, worship the creator. This is verses one through five. Number two today is worship the father. I'll explain the difference in a minute. Verse, verses six through seven, there is not a difference, but I'll, I'll, I'll explain what I mean. Number three, guard our hearts. And number four, enter rest. Now, this is just an outline I hope it makes sense because I'm, I'm, I'm going through the outline of each and every verse, but I'm hoping that, that today we really connect with, with, with what the psalmist is saying, particularly when it comes to worship through singing. And the first one is worship the creator. Psalm 95 verses one through five. Let's look at the passage and then we'll talk a little bit. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to him with thanksgiving. Let us sing psalms of praise to him. For the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. He holds in his hands the depths of the earth and the mightiest mountains. The sea belongs to him, for he made it. His hands formed the dry land too. The, the writer starts with, Let's sing to the Lord. Now, in this particular first five verses, there is this connotation of God as the creator. He holds in his hands the depths of the earth and the mightiest mountain, the mountains. The seas belong to him. He made it. His hands formed the dry land too. I've been on, a partic I've been on some motorcycle trips this summer and Many of you know I like the West. I like going to Colorado. I like going to Wyoming, Montana, Oregon, Washington, California, Idaho, all Utah, Arizona. I love the West because there's a lot of rivers. There's mountains, and I know the East has some, but um, the weather's better in the West particularly. But it's hard to go through Yosemite. It is hard to walk through that park and go to a, a waterfall that is, this year has been awesome because they had so much snow. The, the, I mean, the water and the river is just rushing and the waterfalls are everywhere. I'm gonna tell you, this, it's hard to, to, to look around as I ride through the winding roads or the mountain roads or whatever and not go, wow, Lord. How, however creation worked, in other words, the time in which it took him, literal days or Many years, that, that makes, in my opinion, I know some differ, but I, that really is not a big deal to me. What is a big deal is that he made them. What is a big deal is that he is the creator. Let me, Genesis chapter one, verse one, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, period. God created. 
God created, not a little Adam, not a little whatever. God created the heavens and the earth. Nehemiah chapter 9 verse 6 says, you alone are the Lord. You made the skies and the heavens and all the stars. You made the earth and the seas and everything in them. You preserved them all and the angels of heaven worship you. Isaiah 66 2 says it this way. My hands have made both heaven and earth. They and everything in them are mine. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will bless those who have humble and contrite hearts. I want you to remember that. Who tremble at my word. Revelation 4.11 says it this way. You are worthy, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and they exist because you created what you pleased. Now, you may ask, what's the point? Why are, you, why are you talking about God as the creator? We all know that. Well, I think it's important that when we distinguish the God that we serve, the characters of God, that we understand when he writes these words, you are the creator. You formed and hold the depths of the earth and the seas and the mountains and the skies, and you are the creator. That we, listen, let me put it on the screen, we worship, love, and serve a God who is all-powerful. So what that means to me is that when we sing our songs and we say, I'm gonna make room for you, or I'm, I'm calling you holy, there is no one like you, I am, I am singing to a God who is not limited by my thoughts or by my faith. He is all-powerful. He created the heavens and the earth. We also, we worship, love, and serve a God who is in control. I don't have to worry. I don't have to wonder if God is in control. Now, listen, I know he may not operate on my timetable. He may not operate in, in the way in which I want, in other words, when I want or what I want. But when we understand who it is that we're singing to, that we're lifting up our hands and our hearts and our song and we're saying, God, we're, it, it's not just tradition. It's not just, oh, we come to the church and this is what we do. We stand a little bit, we sing some songs, take an offering, hear some announcements, hear a good message, we pray a little bit, we take communion every once in a while, and then we go home. It's not just tradition. This, when we sing our songs, who are we singing to? We are singing to the creator of the universe, and he is all-powerful, and he is in control, so that tells me that there's nothing in my life that he can't fix, and there is nothing in this world or in my life that he can't control. Does that make sense what I'm saying? When I surrender that to him, and when I worship, when we worship him together collectively, we're singing to a God who is all-powerful. We're singing to a God who's in control, so I want you to think about your circumstances right now. I want you to think about your problems, your challenges, your distractions. Maybe you've been distracted for years. And it's been a long time since you've really sensed the presence of God in a corporate setting. I don't know. But, but, I, but I think it's important that as we understand who it is that we're worshiping, come and sing a song to the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth. So some key words that I want us to remember as it relates to worshiping God, the creator. They're important. 
acknowledgement or fear. So, so in other words, I don't care who you are. You're not too important to sing your song of praise to the Creator. There is an acknowledgement on your, our part when we sing our songs that, that he is greater than me, he is bigger than me, he is all powerful, he is all in control, and when I sing, I am acknowledging that I am singing not to a force. I'm not singing to some, I don't know what up there, but you will find out in the end. We are singing to God the creator. And there is a, a reverence, a fear, and I know fear, when we use that term, it, 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 it turns us off, but when I talk, I'm talking about a healthy fear, a, a reverence in, in which, man, I, I, I just don't know how we come into this room and not sing. I don't, I don't understand it. I understand our lives and I understand they're complicated. I understand our sin. I understand my sin. I understand that gets in the way sometimes. But guys, when we come in as a corporate body, New Testament, I don't even, I'm not even going to the New Testament, you know, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, encouraging one another. I'm just talking about this passage. And I don't know how we come into a room and not connect to the presence of God through song, not because it's a tradition, not because we just were forced to, because we get to. There is an acknowledgement that God, I worship, I'm taking some time right now, not that you don't worship and sing during the week and in your car or whatever, but I'm talking about when we corporately gather together, do you understand that in moments like these, miracles can happen in your life? Things can happen in a moment that you cannot accomplish in a lifetime when you engage with the presence of God and you surrender and maybe sing a song of a sacrifice of praise even when you don't feel it. And if there's any room for hope to grow, it's in this area. If there's any room for us as a church, and I, I, know, I know you're like, hey, mind your own business. You are my business. And if there's a room for us to grow, it's in this area. I don't care what church you came from. You need, to, you need to stop going, well, this is not the way we used to do it. Well, then go back to that church if you want to. I'm not mad. I'm just saying, connect. Why would we sit here and just look and not sing our songs of praise to the God who's in control, acknowledging who he is, acknowledging his presence. How dare us. Right? Does it make sense what I'm saying? And again, I'm not mad. I'm just trying to give you some brotherly love. Just kind of say, hey, you need to get off your... All right. Acknowledgement, fear, joy. Man, this is the one time that no matter what's going on in your life, it may be, when you get back in the car, it may be, oh my goodness, it may be terrible in your family. It may be terrible in your marriage. It may be whatever. But there is one time in your life when you can come into the presence of God and you can just say, no matter what's going on, I thank you for what you've done for me. There's gratitude. If you don't have anything to be grateful for, 
you're not looking. If you don't have anything to be grateful for, you are distracted beyond your ability to understand. Does that make sense? You're, you're so distracted, you have no idea to, how to, to be grateful. And this is the time in which we come together as a corporate body, as a church, whatever campus you're at, and we sing our songs. It is not a ritual. It's not a tradition. It is a time in which we are filled with joy. We are filled with gratitude, acknowledging who he is, and we trust him because he's all-powerful. We trust him because he's in control. I could stop right there. I mean, I could, I could be, what time is it? Okay, now I got more time, so I'm gonna go. But that's the first one. Worshiping God as creator. The second, the second is worship God the Father. Now, let me just say this. He's not two different people. We're not, so he is creator and father at the same time. Does that make sense? We're worshiping the creator, but it's just, in my mind, the way I see it is, it's just an acknowledgement that he is greater than our problems. He is greater than any other God. He is greater than what it is that we're going through. He is greater, and because of that, I can worship. Because he has forgiven my sins, I can be grateful. I can walk in joy. But then there's this, he switches gears in this Psalm in 95, to verse number six. Let's, let's look at it, verse six and seven. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. So there's a little bit of creation there. Listen to this. For he is our God. We are the people he watches over, the flock under his care. See, there's this, there's this shepherd thing. There's this father thing. There, there's this understanding of who he is in acknowledgement, but also that he's not just a, you know, a, the creator to be reckoned with. He is our father. We are the people of his pasture. He is our God. We are watched over. Psalm 103, verse 13 says it like this. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. Proverbs 3, verse 11 says, my child, don't reject the Lord's discipline and don't be upset when he corrects you. For the Lord, listen, for the Lord corrects those he loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 says, how great, listen, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that, that we should be called children of God and that is what we are. See, these are reasons, guys, why we sing our songs because he's our Father. He is, he is watching over us in compassion and in care and he is not just get it right. He is not just worship me because I'm God. He is a shepherd. So when we sing our songs, I will make room for you. You are holy. I love you. Whatever. Kind of like Elf in Christmas. See, I am singing. So when we come together and we sing our songs, guys, we're singing to the Creator, acknowledging that there's nothing too hard for Him. And we're also worshiping and singing to our Father, 
who has great compassion on the sin we find ourselves in, the mess we find ourselves in. He has great care and he has great compassion. He loves us. He cares for us. He disciplines us. He shows compassion on us. The love of the Father. We worship him as creator. We worship him as Father. Now, you would think that the psalm would kind of end there and let's just make a new chapter. I understand that we, you know, that David didn't put chapters in there and verses. It was just songs. Here, here you go, whatever it is. But in this particular writing, it's almost like changing gears without a clutch. All of a sudden, here's what he says. So, so remember, we're, we're come and sing to the Lord. He is the depths of the earth are in his hands and the seas and the mountains and, and he's, he watches over us. He's our, he's our shepherd and father and so forth. And then all of a sudden, number three, guard your heart. Such a weird timing, but, but listen to me. I think it makes sense when we really put it all together. Uh, chapter 95. If only you would listen to his voice today. So after he says the, that last part in, in verse, I think it's seven, he says, the Lord cares for his people. Then it says, if only you would listen to his voice today. The Lord says, don't harden your hearts as Israel did in the desert, in Meribah, as they did at Massa in the wilderness. For there our ancestors, our, your ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw everything I did. So they saw the miracles. They saw the mighty deliverance out of Egypt. For 40 years, I was angry with them, and I said, they are a people whose hearts turn away from me. Now, how many have ever read the Exodus, you know, when Moses takes the people out? How many have seen the movie, okay? And you just kind of go, man, those people were crazy. Those people saw miracles. I mean, how could they, how could they see what they saw and still make an idol? A little like a golden cap and, and bow down and dance around it or whatever. How could they do that? They refuse to do what I tell them. Guarding your heart. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. So I think that when I see this passage and all of it together, I, I see how it fits, that, that there are things about us that become very distracting and, and very um, worldly, and it, and, it, and it divides us from the God that we're worshiping, or it separates us, it, the, the Father and the Creator but yet he says, now, I just wish you would pay attention to what he's saying. I just wish you would guard your hearts from rebellion like in the desert because I was angry with them because they saw what I did for them and yet they, their hearts were so far from me. So when I think about guarding our hearts, things like this, rebellion, disobedience, and sin, Stubbornness, distraction, materialism, idolatries, and all these, all these things are, are sin, right? All these things, but 
there, there's some, some things that, that are sin, but, but we don't really characterize them as sin in our lives. The bigger things we do, you know, I know when I'm sinning, I, I know those kinds of things, but it's sometimes harder for me to understand when I'm distracted. Does that make sense? For, for, or when I'm being materialistic. And I can, just like you, I can succumb to, well, I can succumb to any of these, just like you. The idolatry is, is not, you know, putting in my living room, you know, some idol, and I bring all the grandkids and the family together and say, okay, this is our God we're going to worship today. Everybody thinks that's idolatry. No, 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 no. It's when you put things, other things before God. How about this? What, ah, man, I don't, I, this sounds manipulative. I don't even know if I should make this example. But well, I will. I want you to look at your checkbook and I want you to see what goes to the kingdom and what goes to you. That's, listen, how many know? Everybody look at me. How many know God does not need your money? How many knows that? that like, he's not in need of your debit card. So then why do we give? I mean, why is it that he, all through the Bible, Old and New Testament, you can't get away from singing you can't get away from giving. You can't get away from praying. You can't get away from serving. Can't get away from any of those things. Old New Testament. Why would we sing? Why would we give? Why would we? Well, one of the things that, that put those, I'm sorry, John, put those things down. One of the things that guards us against materialism and distraction a little bit is that we prioritize the Lord with our resources. And many, let me just tell you, if there's a room for us to grow in singing, there is room for us to grow in giving. And that's, this, I don't mean this as a manipulative thing. I'm telling you that you look at your checkbook, and I don't know how you couldn't sing when we come into the presence of God, and I don't know how we couldn't give. Because we're not giving because God needs our money. We are giving to guard our hearts against things. And, he, and Jesus says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is also. Melissa, I'm, my goal, our goal in our family is that every year we're giving just a little bit more percentage, not less. Not less. And per capita, well, I'm not going to say that, but, but remember the story of the, the, the widow's mite and, and their rich people given, given looked like a lot, and then this widow was giving like all she had, and Jesus says she gives more than they do combined. What was that about? I'm just, I'm, I love you enough to tell you that when you and I do not guard our hearts, not just from money or materialistic, from sin or rebellion or whatever the list is, and there's more to the list. When we don't guard our hearts, listen to me, one of the first things to go, everybody look at me, is worship. One of the first things to go, when we come into this room, we are totally distracted. We are, our hearts are so distant and far from him, it's not even funny. Because there's a lot going on right here. Right here. Does that make sense? This is a, everybody's just quiet. This is real serious. I know that. But, but I'm hoping it helps you. Because it helps me. I'm, I'm preaching myself more than you. So ways to guard your heart. There's no secret sauce. 
It's just real simple. Scripture reading, consistent fellowship with God, which means prayer, community, and purposeful living. That's the way you guard your heart. We've made our lives all too complicated. We make it about ourselves, our children, their future, our future, our stuff, my deal, my thing. It's real easy to guard your heart, guys. Super easy. Scripture reading, be in the Scripture. His Word is a double-edged sword. And it shows us what is wrong in our lives. It divides between soul, what we want, and spirit, what God wants. It's powerful. Consistent fellowship with God, prayer. That's what Jesus did. Jesus went, we'll talk about this next week. Jesus went away and found consistent time. He was our model. Community, you can't do this alone. You gotta be in community, not community. I'm not just talking about friendships. Oh, John, I get together every Friday night with my, my, my neighbors. We all come over and have a little bit too much to drink, but that's okay. No, no, I'm not talking about that kind of community. That's not the kind of community I'm talking about. Who's pushing you? Who is encouraging you in the Lord, in your business development, in your life, in your family? Who's pushing you towards the Lord? That's the kind of community I'm talking about. Purposeful living, man, putting the kingdom first. Matthew 6, 33. Put the kingdom of God first in all your life, and then all the other things in your life that you're worried about, they'll all fall into place. Doesn't mean your life's perfect, but they'll all fall into place. But when we're distracted, when we're in idolatry, when we're in materialism, when we're in rebellion, disobedience, or sin, our hearts, boom, are away from the Lord. You want to be, be in the Lord? You want to be guarding your heart? This is what we do. Make sense? Everybody still love me? Okay, good. Because what I'm telling you is good. What I'm telling you, yeah, you should be clapping because this is good. This is good. All right. Number four, last one. Number four, enter rest. Man, again, uh, playing off of the desert and the children of Israel exiting Egypt. And for 40 years, for 40 years, their hearts ran from God. And, and their journey was to enter rest. Their journey was the promised land. That, that was where they were going. But for 40 years, they distanced themselves from God, didn't guard their hearts, rebelled, disobeyed, distracted, became whiners and complainers the whole time. Now, before we're too hard on them, how about us? You know what I'm saying? Are we a little bit like them? Of course we are. We're human, we're like that. Chapter 95, verse 11, last verse of the, of the psalm. So in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. Guys, many of us are not living in rest, God's rest. And it's not because he doesn't love us, it's not because he had invited us. It's because we have not guarded our hearts. And we've allowed our culture and we have allowed this world to rob us of the peace that passes understanding. That, that the rest that he's talking about, because of their rebellion, because of their disobedience, 
because their hearts were far from me, they will never enter my rest. So the invitation is, now obviously, so theological, let me just give you a disclaimer. Jesus is our rest, okay? He's our Sabbath. So there's no particular day anymore. And I know some of you that just rocks you, but no, 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 Jesus is our Sabbath. You want to come and worship on, on the Sabbath, the Jewish Sabbath? Well, you're here, Saturday night. We observe the Sabbath. But it doesn't matter if you do this. What if we met on Mondays? What if I said, hey, and I know nobody would come, but what if I just said, hey, our church, no more Saturdays, no more Sundays. We're going to meet at 3 o'clock on Monday afternoon for our worship. Doesn't matter. Could be Fridays, could be Thursday, it doesn't matter. It's not a day. Jesus is our rest. Okay? So, so don't, don't misunderstand the rest thing. But many of us are not living in him fully. I'm not saying you're not saved, but you're not living in him fully because you've not guarded, we've not guarded our hearts. And, and, and again, when we come in to worship, man, the acknowledging who he is and and acknowledging that he's our father and that he loves us and he's so compassionate. But because our hearts are turned away from him, I'm talking to believers, and I'm talking to unbelievers, I'm talking to believers. Our hearts are so turned away from him. Guys, everybody look at me. There's no rest. Our minds are, our hearts are, there's no rest. Because we've made our lives too complicated. And on the screen, we'll, we'll, we're going we're gonna to end in a song, okay? So it's going to be good. Worship, the Father, and the, the Creator and the Father, plus healthy heart equals rest. Easy. Worship, healthy heart, guard it, equals rest. That's the passage. That's Psalm 95. And today, I want to end with at all of our campuses. We're going to end with this song we sang at the end of our worship, song worship, is uh, I Will Make Room, and I just want to invite you today. Some of you need to repent. Some of us, let me say it that way. Some of us need to repent. We're distracted. We're materialistic. We are so far from where we need to be. And I'm not, I know that, you know, that's a normal thing sometimes, but but I'm just talking about, it's been a long season of just, we're not where we need to be. And I want to invite you during this song to make room for him. And during this song to say, Lord, I don't understand all that John was saying. I don't come from his background and, and I don't understand all that he understands, but I know that there's something missing in my life. There's, there's not a rest that, that, I'm, that, that he was talking about. There's not that rest in my life. I'm, it's very complicated and it seems to not end and I want to invite you to repent of anything and everything. And I want to invite you to make room. Next time we gather, next Saturday and next Sunday, I, I hope that it's different for you. I hope that you don't walk in here with your whole week and just, you know, do, go through the motions. I hope that you enter into his presence with thanksgiving and to his courts with praise. I hope that you sing a song to the Lord because of who he is and because he loves us. I hope that you'll guard your heart during the week 
from all kinds of distractions that keep us from the rest that he has provided. So as we sing this song, I want you to do your business with the Lord. Would you stand? Everybody across our campuses, turn online, stand. And the team's going to come out. I'm going to pray, but the team's going to come out. They're going to lead us. And I want you to do some business with God. Lord, we, we love you and your word. Again, it's so powerful. It's sharp and it cuts sometimes and it's, and it's, it's, it's corrective at sometimes. At times. So, so, God, may our heart not be in a place of pride and arrogance where we just say, yeah, I don't care what he's talking about. He doesn't know what I'm going through. Oh, it doesn't matter that I know. What matters is God knows. And Lord, maybe some of us in this room need to just finally surrender. The way we're doing our life is a total distraction. And it is a total heart that has fallen away from him. We've lost our way somehow. Bring us back right now in this moment as we surrender and as we sing our song. We do so with integrity, not because we're special and not because we're sinless. We do so because of who you are and because you love us. And so we offer up our song, making room in our lives for you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for listening to Hope's Weekend Message. Visit hopefellowship.net and further connect with us by downloading the Hope app from the App Store or Google Play. Have a great day.